Hey, people. What's going on? Sorry about the last show. I listened to it after I posted it, and I had no idea that I had let that many F-bombs fly. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll usually drop a few, and I'll drop some today, but I think that was actually my worst performance ever. And I'm like, you know what? I can and will do better than that. I couldn't believe it. I was kind of embarrassed by it. I was really wound up, I guess. And hey, if you're a young person and you're listening to this show today, let me give you some free advice, all right? Enjoy sleep. Enjoy how easy it is. Enjoy your routine, all right? Enjoy the fact that you can simply lie down, close your eyes, go to sleep, and wake up in eight hours feeling refreshed. Because I'm telling you, when you get older, that shit changes. I woke up some I was like one day last week, had a sore shoulder. How the hell did that happen? I went to sleep. I was 100%. I wake up. My shoulder's killing me. I couldn't put my arm over my head because I slept on it all night. How do we screw up something as easy as sleeping? I must toss and turn all night. I swear to God, I wake up in the morning. I got pillows strewn all over my bed. One's on the floor. My leg dangling off the bed. I knock my wireless phone charger off the nightstand. I go to bed at night. My bedroom's peaceful. I wake up. Looks like a hurricane hit it. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know where to start this week. I got bullet points like, like usual. There have been so many things happening lately that I refuse to talk about but want to. All right? And that's you, veterans. I am sorry that politicians are more worried about their voters than you. Both sides are playing games. They put you in the middle. I'm sorry that you are once again waiting in line for help, even though you didn't make us wait in line before you jumped into combat, risked your life for us. I'm sorry Washington could give a shit less about you. Really, honestly, I want to keep the show light, all right? But politicians continue to make it hard to do that. We're losing cast members from Goodfellas, left, right, and center. It's hot as hell outside. All I want to do right now is be on the ocean fishing. So, so here are some things that we will not be covering on today's show. It includes live golf, the fact that our former president is okay, apparently, with hosting a Saudi-run golf tournament because we apparently haven't yet gotten to the bottom of 9-11. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe he never read the 9-11 commission report which was actually available as a paperback book, or maybe he doesn't read. I'm not going to talk about the veterans. All right. The fact that COVID's back with a vengeance, almost took out my niece, had another friend of mine get it. She'd already contracted it before. She was double vaxxed, boosted, still gets it. Not going to talk about Deshaun Watson. Guy gets $200 million and a slap on the wrist by the NFL for busting a nut on 26 massage therapists without consent. And I won't be talking about Merlot. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot, all right? <laughs> I am starting to worry about my neighbors, though. There are a couple of them. I've been coughing for a few weeks, right? I like to work on my kitchen table, all right, with the back door open so I can hear the birds and shit. And I think he does the same thing, keeps his door open. Every 20 minutes... I'd hear this nasty 
death rattle cough. I can't figure out whose cough was worse, right? And the father was doing it. The son was doing it. Now I hear the daughter coughing. And I'm not nosy, usually. And I don't see them outside much. I thought maybe they had COVID. But everyone's talking. Like, everything's fine. And out of nowhere will come this phlegm-filled throat bomb. And I'm like, God damn, that sounds wrong. Jesus Christ. And you know, I love these people, right? They've had my back. They've been golden to me. I don't want them to think I'm eavesdropping, even though they've done their fair share of that shit to me. I mean, I mean, they seem to know a lot more about my personal life than I've ever shared with them. There have been zero times when I've had friends over. I'd see them over the fence a few days later. They'd say, uh, hey, who was the girl that came to your place the other night? And I'm like, wait, what? Anyway, so if I see him out there, I'll ask how everything's going, just to see if they share anything. Maybe someone's got emphysema or some shit. I don't know. That was that horrible joke from years ago. It's probably going to offend people, but I'll tell it anyway. Guy writes to Dear Abby, right? He says, Dear Abby, I met this girl the other night. I really fell for her. She's fantastic. Problem is this. She told me she has a disease I can't remember if she said she had VD or TB, you know, tuberculosis. What should I do? Signed, confused. So dear Abby writes back, dear confused. That's easy. If she coughs, fuck her. (laughs) I've been riding my bike a lot this summer. I've watched so little pro cycling this year. Watched a few day races, I think that was about it. But then the Tour de France comes on, of course, I watch that every day. Can't miss it. Just seems to be... And I watch the highlights, which is even better. Yeah, like a three and a half, four hour race condensed to like 40 minutes. Beautiful. But uh, it just got better and better each year. These kids now ride their bikes so hard and so fast. It's hard to believe that they're not doping. But they're not doping. What I'm reading now is that these athletes are in ketosis all the time. And they use ketones for fuel. And this was my trick uh, blowing through my weight. I didn't know that I was actually doing this. I was intermittent fasting. And then I'd go run or ride my bike in the morning. And this happens when your body doesn't have enough carbohydrates to burn for energy, right? So it burns fat and it makes these things called ketones, which it then uses for fuel. So in addition to all of this, they're drinking this shit before races called uh, ketone IQ which are basically liquid ketones. And this stuff's expensive. I mean, but you look at these cyclists. They take their shirts off. They look emaciated. Skin and bones. Big giant legs. So it's come down to nutrition and training, not drugs and blood doping. If these doctors had figured this shit out in the 80s, instead of taking EPO, Dr. Ferrari bucktooth dipshit, we'd be singing and dancing a, a different song and dance now about pro cycling. But along with the sheer speed and the power of these kids, the sportsmanship that I saw on this tour was heartwarming enough to make you want to cry. This kid who had won for a two-year state, uh, Bogacha, he gets attacked in the mountains by this stronger rider, Vindegar, who takes the yellow jersey from him. He's not going to give it back. But this kid, Pogacha, 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 proud champion. 
He's going to attack the yellow jersey in the mountains, try to get some time back on him. But on this one stage, he tries a little bit too hard, cooks a corner, catches some gravel, ends up sideways in a ditch. So the yellow jersey could completely disappear, leave this kid in the dust. But Vindegar, he doesn't do that. He waits for the guy to catch back up with him, wants to beat him fair and square, which he does later in the climb. But this kid, Pogaccia, catches back up to the yellow jersey. He sees what a gesture this is, reaches out and shakes his hand. Yellow jersey even asks if he's okay. Pogaccia gives him a thumbs up. Turns out they're friends. So later in the race, these guys are suffering on the bike. It's hot. They're in the mountains. This is a guy from a completely different team, sees Pogaccia as overheating and has no water on his bike. So this guy takes out his own water bottle sprays it over the head of uh, Pogaccia on his back to cool him down. Yeah, as it turns out, that's against the rules. But he hated seeing the kid suffer. Then during the time trial, there's another rider runs out of water. So this other rider catches up with, uh, offers his water bottle to him so he can have a drink. Again, against the rules. But F the rules, man. We're human beings. Gonna help each other out. But the humanity that I saw during the tour just makes me happy that we no longer have to deal with assholes like Lance Armstrong anymore. I mean, that dude was a downright hateful person and a bully. But that is still the kind of culture that exists out on the, on the roads where I ride. Not a day goes by, if I'm on a ride with someone, we're going to have at least one road cyclist with some kind of fucking rage. When I'm alone, it doesn't happen. But then again, when I'm alone, I don't ride too abreast. We had a really bad one in our group a few months ago. Granted, we're a large group. All right, we have a lot of newbies on e-bikes. They don't have any experience. They don't know the rules of the road. But this one dude went off. He starts yelling, single file, you assholes. Meanwhile, he's riding with two other guys. They're three wide, but we need to be single file. So I handled him like I handle every one of these guys now. I just say, wow. Have a peaceful day. <laughs> you know? But one of the guys in our group did not hold back. This guy was still chipping away. And somebody in our group just yelled out at him. Fuck you! Discovered a fun new website. AFP Fact Check. Factcheck.afp.com You would not believe how many outright horseshit lies or misleading articles are being shared out there. Really nasty stuff. It's like Snopes for current news that's being spread on Facebook and stuff. Why do people do this? What do they gain from this? Outside of the satisfaction of just having successfully bullshitted somebody. Is lying fun for them? Psychopathic. And some dumbass, I should, I should know better than this. This guy on Reddit posts a naked photo of uh, Donatella Versace rubbing suntan lotion on her body at the beach. I swear to Christ, I've never seen anything like this. She looks like a skeleton made out of beef jerky. Just burnt to a crisp, lips injected to the max, skinny like a light post with a pair of bolt-on titties. Honestly, I wanted to vomit. I knew it was going to be bad. The letter's NSFW right there, but what do I do? I click anyway. It's like a car wreck. You know it's going to be bad, but you slow down, you look anyway. And you wish you hadn't. And other thing that popped out online. Somebody on Twitter 
posted this video clip. I got a real problem with Twitter. It's a, it's a clip from a Netflix movie, Don't Look Up, where this meteorologist and a scientist, Jennifer Lawrence and Leo Ritardo, DiCaprio, whatever, they go on a local news uh, station to announce that there's this giant meteorite that's going to strike the earth and end everybody. And then the news anchors downplay it. So they show that clip and then they follow it up with an actual clip from a meteorologist on BBC News announcing that they were about to have these record-breaking temperatures. And then they have to listen to this cackling hen news anchor call him fatalistic. Listen to this shit show. Oh, shit. Hold on a second. Where is it? <laughs> I don't even have it ready. <laughs> I'm out of practice, man. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Listen. Sorry, are, we, uh, are we not being clear? We're trying to tell you that the entire planet is about to be destroyed. Okay. okay. Um, well, it's, um, you know, just something we do around here. You know, we just keep the bad news light. Oh, you see, John, you're outside enjoying yeah. the sunshine. It's not too hot, is it? No, it's, it's absolutely lovely. It's, what, 20 degrees out here. It's perfect. But um, on a serious note, folks, um, by early next week, you can scratch 20 degrees. It could well be 40 degrees. I think there will be hundreds, if not thousands, of excess deaths early next week. The charts that I can see in front of me are frightening. So we all like nice weather, but this will not be nice weather. This will be potentially lethal weather for a couple of days. It'll be brief, but it'll be brutal. Oh, so, John, you know, but, we can... We, oh, oh, yeah. So, this is... So, John, I want us to be happy about the weather and every single... I don't know whether something's happened to meteorologists to make you all a little bit fatalistic and, and <laughs> harbingers of doom. Because all of the broadcasts, particularly on, on the BBC, every time I've turned on anyone's talking about the weather, they're saying that there's going to be tons of fatalities. But haven't we always had hot weather, John? I mean, wasn't the 76, the summer of 76, that was as hot as this, wasn't it? Uh, no. Uh, and, you know, we are seeing more and more records, more and more frequently and more and more severely. Uh, so, yeah, some people always hop back to the summer of 76, which was a freak event. 40-odd years ago, over 40 years ago. Uh, but heat waves are becoming more extreme. This is yet another one which is coming down the tracks towards us. I mean, that's life imitating art right there. I don't understand why people simply can't believe in science and scientists. They think everything's a fucking hoax. Someone's trying to get one over on them. Climate deniers are the worst. I spent a lot of my time in the outdoors. Let me tell you, I've watched lakes disappear. All right, I've seen the snow melt months before it used to. Did we have record highs on certain days decades ago? Sure we did. As he said, it was freakish. But now we're stringing them together. Multiple days over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Europe in July? During the Tour de France? Where they used to have to wear jackets and ride through snow passes? The earth is heating up. Ocean levels are rising. It's getting hotter. Look at what my family dealt with in Washington last uh, summer and dealing with it again this summer. They don't have air conditioning out there because they never needed it. Now look. Scientists, especially those who study medicine, 12 years of school, like a decade of sacrifice to go study something that is going to help people stay healthy, to live longer, maybe not suffer. 
And people want to brush it all away with, I don't believe that. As if that's a significant reason that we shouldn't believe in medicine or scientists. You don't believe that? Fine. Maybe we believe that science isn't bullshit. These are the same people still believe that the man in the sky theory. And he created all this on a whim. But when scientists do actual research, do data, you know, archaeologists provide physical proof that says the earth is this many millions of years old, there's a good chance that the Big Bang Theory might have been true. Oh, that's preposterous. Everybody knows that God did all this. You dumbass. The earth is not 6,000 years old, okay? It's billions of years old. The dinosaurs didn't live with Adam and Eve. The Bible describes Eden as a peaceful place, right? These screeching motherfuckers? That's not peaceful. These things ate their own young. But here's the thing about climate change. Honestly, there's nothing we can do about it. The damage has been done. And until we're able to convince China to close down their factories that burp pollution into the sky on a daily basis, it's just going to keep getting worse. We all know that's not going to happen. I just don't want to be around for the water famine. All right, because that's coming. And that's when people are going to start dropping dead of dehydration. The end of mankind is not going to be pretty. You want to talk fatalistic. There's some fatalistic talk for you. That's how people are going out. Thirst. (laughs) And I said I didn't want to be Debbie Downer today. Well, here I am, folks. And you know, I talked about bacon bread last time. That was a journey, let me tell you. Chuck and I were looking for the perfect bread recipe on YouTube. We had the flavor down, but wanted it just to get better. But most of all, what we wanted were nice fat air pockets, the kind that you get in sourdough bread. So this, we already knew, required two things. A pre-fermentation, or yeast starter, and high hydration. The pre-fermentation is what is known as a poolish. It's equal parts flour and water, a little bit of yeast. You mix that, cover it, you let it sit out for 12 to 24 hours before you start adding more flour and water. And then high hydration means that your total volume of water is like between 70 and 80% to the volume of flour that you're using. So, for instance, there's math involved. Your total flour bill, let's say it's 500 grams, all right? And you add 400 grams of water, that's 80% hydration. And this makes sticky dough, which, you know, you got to handle with wet hands. We tried every tuck and fold technique, every one of these YouTube videos, which show these killer loaves with giant pockets, And we were following every step to the T. And yeah, we were getting delicious bread. But the air pockets, nowhere to be found. Every one of these guys on YouTube were either leaving out a step, not explaining them correctly, or using some special flour or yeast that we weren't using. And Chuck and I both used like really good, the best possible flour we can find. My brother even goes so far as he knows these people who own a mill. So he buys whole barley in bags and has them you know, mill it fresh for him. So yeah, he's not dicking around. So I find this dude who has this ciabatta recipe, large holes, the kind that you dream of. You want to drop some warm brie into this stuff, right? Food porn bread. (laughs) So I follow this guy's instructions, which included some techniques I had not seen before, hadn't have them uh, described in that way. Lo and behold, I hit the jackpot. Beautiful ciabatta rolls, 
Nice, big, fat holes. Chewy, delicious. I felt like my brother and I could finally take a breath. We cracked the code. But it you know, kind of pissed me off that these other guys were giving bad advice. Why post a video if the results are going to be different for everybody? So I go back and I read the comments in some of these. And people were complaining of the same thing. I mean, I'm never going to kick a gift horse in the mouth. All right. The guy takes time to make the video. Thanks. You know, you wasted some of my time, but you know, leave a comment. That's not my style. I just thank him. Give him a thumbs up. But this new guy I found, he is perfect. Perfect English gentleman. Describes everything. Simply, easy to follow. Sounds like the guy who uh, narrated those old Winnie the Pooh cartoons that we watched as kids. You remember that dude? The young lad, Christopher Robin. <laughs> who, by the way, that kid was well on his way to growing up listening to the village people. Frankie goes to Hollywood, right? I mean, come on. All that prancing, playing with dolls and shit. <laughs> Listen to me. What the hell's wrong with me? Anyway, yeah, so I learned how to carefully work with wet dough, how not to screw up the folds and lose all that nice gas that you're building up, and how to build strong bread with good gluten, and how to handle it for the final rise. I even learned how to use a, a couche, which is the French piece of linen that these bakers will use to form baguettes so it's been a journey but now i don't want to make bread for a while <laughs> i'm done <laughs> like i'm not gonna piss on anyone's parade if their video was misleading why would i do that i hated when people would leave negative comments on my videos i have to turn comments off i spend a ton of time doing those things people would piss on them like it was nothing i showed a step-by-step on how to cure and smoke your own pastrami at home. Purposely left out the step where you dredge it in crushed peppercorns because my daughters and my wife don't like black pepper. Purposely left that out. ton of people criticized me all at once. That's not pastrami. Like an army of douchebags got together and said, let's go rip this guy a new asshole. I was getting a ton of hits on that video too, by the way. One after the other, these people came all at once. And the last one, this guy decides he doesn't like my language. Your videos would be so much better without the swearing. I told him to go fuck off. Go back to watching Ina Garten on Food Network. I told him my channel was for dudes with balls and a sense of humor. Like, seriously, go shit in your hat, you fucking pussy. Ah, Fanable, I curse too much. Hey, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Howard Stern and Anthony Bourdain. With those guys as my inspiration, you're expecting classical music and a voice like Christopher Robin? You're ass. I don't know if any of you guys are keeping up with this whole Brittany Griner situation. I'm about to say some unpopular shit, but I don't care. She was a WNBA player. She's being held in prison in Russia. She brought uh, marijuana through customs or some hash oil or something. So LeBron James waves in. And I'm like, oh, now I need to talk about it. 
And LeBron James is criticizing U.S. efforts to bring WNBA star Brittany Griner home from Russia. On his talk show, James questioned why Griner would even want to return to this country. Brittany Griner, she is in Russia. She's been there over 110 days. Now, how can she feel like America has her back? I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? No, not. Yesterday, James tweeted that he meant no disrespect, but that he was just saying how Griner is probably feeling. Griner was arrested in Moscow back in in February on charges of possessing cannabis oil. Last week, she pleaded guilty to drug possession and is set to appear in court again tomorrow. Let me see up front. I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her wife, her family. Entire situation sucks. I wouldn't wish Russian prison on my worst enemy, especially right now because of what's going on, the bad relations, you know, between our two countries. But she had no reason possessing illegal drugs and trying to bring them into that country. I don't care if it was medicinal. Shit, I wouldn't bring a bottle of Flintstone vitamins into that country. You can't trust that government for shit. But that's not even my main point. This has bad optics written all over it. A couple years ago, Griner was extremely outspoken about the national anthem, took a knee, then went so far as to say it shouldn't even be played at WNBA events, and then said any sporting events because of the atrocities, you know, committed against black people. So, basically, she basically turned her back to our flag. Now, all of a sudden, when she's in trouble, she wants our president to lay down the full house he's holding, right, and let Putin take all the chips off the table so she can return to the country that she seems to hate so much, but lives here anyway. You try telling me how any of that makes sense. And don't call me a racist, either. This has nothing to do with it. I understand the protests, police brutality, fine, I agree, but this is the American flag. It's not your local police department, which, by the way, doesn't have a flag. But this story just kept getting better. Biden actually does something about this. He just told Russia he's willing to swap prisoners, okay? So we've got this Ruski douchebag locked up over here on some trumped-up weapons violations. They're willing to trade him for her. Prisoner swap. So we'll see if they bite on that. If they do, Biden's a hero. And let's hope that if she does get back here, she's a bit more respectful and stands for the national anthem. Trust me, girl, I get it. I know we have racial problems here. The police are shitty to black people. And that has to change. I've talked about this ad nauseum here. But that's a policing issue. You're an American like the rest of us. I don't care what color you are who you pray to, anything. We're all brothers and sisters. Irregardless, we enjoy all of our freedoms here. And we say something else. I've been saying this for years. And this goes for women's soccer too. The WNBA wouldn't even exist if it weren't for the 96 women's U.S. Olympics team. Lisa Leslie, remember that? That whole team, they were fantastic. Charismatic, affable. They were patriotic. They loved our country. NBA saw this as an opportunity. Let's make a women's league. So they formed it, started to market the idea. The thing was this. They told these women that they needed them to look as pretty as possible. Wear some makeup. Try not to look so manly. And this was hard for these women. They want to just be themselves. And this is kind of sexist. But look, if you want to sell this to the masses, this is kind of how it has to be. Well, what happens? No one goes to the fucking games. Women were bitching and moaning about not having a league. Then they get a league. They don't even support it. 
And women like Griner with her finger wagging, the tattoos, nose ring, walking like a dude, saying we're all prejudiced against black people. The hell do you want from us? Making two hundred thirty-five grand a year playing in the WNBA. Goes to Russia for extra scratch in the offseason. Now this. Anyway, my point... So off base all the time. My point is that uh, our flag basically represents freedom. And she enjoyed the freedom to do whatever she pleased here, including smoke and pot. She turned her back to our flag, turns her back to her freedom. And I hate that she's going through this. Now she's a political pawn. But she pled guilty over there. Maybe after this she'll appreciate it a little more. You know, Russia has strict laws, dude. Especially when it comes to drugs homosexuality you were free here to be whoever you wanted to be and your country loved you for it this girl is an olympic champion the russian government has nothing but hostility for gays for americans and drugs you represent all three of those things you went there to chase money and now you want us to bail you out i'll tell you what that is it's textbook entitlement like most athletes feel entitled Well, (laughs) now you're entitled to one meal a day in a hole in Russia. Anyway, getting back to this YouTube video thing on food. You know, people who have learned things want to share knowledge. These people should be applauded. And I have to cue up some audio here for this. This is the problem with how I structure this stupid show. Hold on. Okay. All right, so... I watched this documentary on Julia Child. It was called Julia one night last week. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I cried like a baby. And it's not because of my fondness for Julia Child or the, the fact that it, it reminded me of uh, the food podcasting days, and Katrina and Saturday mornings and stuff. But some of the things that Chef said in that documentary about why we cook and why cooking is important. Cooking and food... It's important. Being fed by our mothers minutes after we're born. That warmth. That's why we have this need to be feeding the people we love. That gives me a sense of I belong. I'm here. I am part of something bigger. Cooking is about bringing people to the table. And once you surround yourself with people you love that's how you connect with each other by sharing food food for me is really a window in to our own identity it looks back at the history that was here before us it really tells us who we are if you want to taste who i am taste this so i you know i hear that back now man it just um gives me the feels Cooking has always uh, just kind of allowed us to provide, to show our love for the people that are around us, you know. I've always said this, that learning to cook was like the greatest gift because it allowed me to belong to my family, you know, to my family of friends, to give something back. It was like the first time I remember my mom came to my apartment after I'd moved out. She brought my aunt and they came for dinner and I made them both dinner. It was the first time I was able to cook for my mom. And these women had been feeding me for years, but just to have their compliments and to be able to do that for them was um, 
It was spectacular. But you know, it's like you want to know, you want, you're saying that, you know, this is how much I love you, right? I, I love you this much. So these guys doing these videos, I'm sorry, I'm a little sappy here. Shouldn't talk about my mom, probably. These guys doing these videos, right? I mean, it's the same thing, really. They're sharing knowledge because they want to give back. That's why I did it. That's why they're doing it. Also, we like the attention. <laughs> Who are we bullshitting? But it's true, man. I think about the really good cooks in my life. Don, his partner, also my friend Debbie. My friend Cindy. A friend of ours who passed away, you know, years ago, Jill. These are exceptional cooks. Always made something thoughtful and delicious, memorable. Debbie especially. The first time I tasted her food, it made me feel like I, I wished I'd been raised in South Korea because that food was so familiar, yet I'd never had it before. It just tasted, it tasted like home. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I always said that about her. Every time she'd just do exceptional things. Debbie is just, uh, she's incredible. And she every time I cook from her cookbook, it's the same thing. I'm like, Debbie, this this food just tastes familiar. You'll know, make dishes that sometimes she'll make dishes that, that, that make so much sense it makes me laugh. And I'll never forget. I show up at Jill's place. She'd be making something new, and she'd want someone to taste it. And she put the spoon in their mouth, right? And that look on her face, the anticipation of what you were gonna say. Or how you were going to react. I remember it like it was yesterday. That was everything to me. It's still everything to me. And people who don't cook don't get it. People who don't appreciate a wide variety of cuisines or ingredients, they don't get it. They're never going to get it. People close themselves in because things might sound unappealing or look unappealing. They're afraid they're going to get sick. But if you surprise them, with it, right? And don't say anything. <laughs> you open them up to a whole new world. And I'm telling you, that world is beautiful. And I don't want to bang on, you know, vegetarians or, you know, salad and stuff. But no good food story ever starts with, so I had this salad once. No. It starts with an amuse bouche that blew your taste buds out of your mouth. A dark hole in the wall, authentic Mexican restaurant. That plot twist had a classically trained chef running the kitchen. Or at the time, maybe you got invited to a family dinner by a friend and the, the, the Hungarian grandmother made a massive tray of goulash. That's the stuff that food memories are made from. I could talk about this shit all day. You know me. Spent seven, eight years talking about it. Just never leaves you. I'm telling you, if you truly love to cook, if you truly love food, you're a lifer. It's in your blood. You got to deal with it. I got a friend of mine she asked me, she goes, what's on the list of things that you won't eat? And I said, there's nothing on that list. <laughs> I will seriously eat anything. I've eaten things that I was afraid might make me sick. And they did make me sick. But I can say I ate it. I ate some stuff that I can't even mention because it's uh, it just sounds gross. I ate reproductive organs. Let's just say that. <laughs> no, I did not have a dick in my mouth. Anyway, this is the same friend. I, I helped her move into her new house a couple weeks ago. I was happy for her. Finally, it was a done deal. She was in her new house. 
and she was worried about so much stuff, as you tend to do, right? It's different. If you're married, or you have another person to share the burden, but when you're a single person, you only have your friends, your family's halfway across the country, it's tougher. So I helped her out. Another friend of ours, she showed up. Moving truck came. These guys moved her stuff in. We set it all up, moved furniture around, all that shit, start tossing boxes so it would look less and less like a move. So she decides it's getting warm. She's going to turn her air conditioner on. And it was one of those wall-mounted units, right? Heats and cools. And it looked like a you know, fairly late model, maybe 15 years old. I don't know. Anyway, she goes to turn this thing on, and it doesn't work. And we tried everything. Unplugged it. Reset, tested the plug in the 220 socket. I threw the breaker just in case. Nothing. So she's upset. She said the inspector had come. He tested the unit before she moved in. He said it worked fine. And I don't know, I'm paraphrasing maybe. She said he got the thing up to 110 degrees and got it to cool down to 50. And I froze in my tracks. First of all, I don't know any wall-mounted air unit that could get to those temperatures. I'm not even sure my gas-run central air system in my house would achieve temperatures like that. But even if it could, why in the hell would you do that? Why would you push the unit to perform at those levels? Like, is there ever going to be a time when you're going to want your house to, to go to 100 degrees or cool down to a refrigerator? So I'm thinking, either this dude burned out her unit doing this test, or he's bullshitting her. So I honestly thought the dude was lying. No way he got that thing to those temps. I mean, come on, huh? Because if he did, that would be, and I told him this, this would be the equivalent. Let's say you want to buy a used car, right? But you want to have your mechanic check it out first. So your mechanic takes the car out on a test drive at the track where he pushes the engine to like 140 miles an hour, slams the brakes, drifts the fucking thing sideways, creates bald spots on your tires, then brings it back to you, hands you the keys and says, yeah, she runs like a champ. So then you buy it. You start the car. Suddenly, you hear a rod banging against the engine block. Black smoke pouring out of the tailpipe. White smoke pouring out the hood. <laughs> Good thing you had your mechanic check things out before you dropped 25 grand on that piece of shit. That's how the story sounded to me. But here's how the story ends. Turns out there was a switch on the other side of the room. So it was on, on the wall directly across from the breaker box. So you had to turn that switch on to engage the 220 circuit. Now, this sounds ass-backwards to me. Either you have 220 running in your house, or you don't. I've got 220 running in my laundry room all day. There's no circuit. Circuit's on constantly. Why would you have to throw a switch to turn the circuit on? <laughs> I'm like, someone done made life difficult. Oh, man, bro. Running long again. I have one last subject. Meta. The last days. Is it Meta? Meta? I don't know what they call it. Facebook. Facebook's cooked. They are done. Finito. They posted quarterly losses for the first time ever. Shareholders are all pissed off. Sucker turd. He's admitting that TikTok is their main competition. So now they redesigned Facebook and changed the algorithm on Instagram to make it look and act more like TikTok. And if you've been paying attention, Instagram has cluttered that app with posts and reels, ads, people that you don't even follow. And they've got so much other bullshit on there, you're missing posts from people that you actually do follow. Go figure. Ads, sponsored posts, all that shit. 
So Facebook's days are numbered, as is Instagram's. And Twitter, too. I'll get to that in a minute. Twitter's turning into Reddit. So here's what you want to do to skirt all this bullshit that Facebook's doing. If you only want to see posts from people that you follow with no reels or any other crap on Instagram, open the app that says Instagram at the top left, the logo. Click on that and you'll see a contextual menu will pop up. And it'll say following and under that it'll say favorites. Following will have a check mark by it. Click on that anyway. That will open up your following tab and you'll only see posts from people that you follow. No ads, no reels, nothing. Instagram. Ugh, I lost. <laughs> I had to unfriend and block somebody on there a couple days ago. I, can't, I hardly even knew this chick. She was a friend of one of my other friends. She started talking about religion. I'm like, I don't want to talk about religion. Are you religious? I go, not anymore. She starts talking to me about this crap. And I'm like, I really don't want to talk about this. And she just wouldn't stop. So I, t- I said, all right, you want to hear my story? You want to know why I don't believe in all this? I'll tell you why. And I wrote this long, thoughtful post. She comes back. That's bullshit. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I like you. Bye. And I blocked her. And I was talking to my brother about this. And things have changed with me, how I talk to women. I'm not disrespectful. I'm very nice. I'm kind. I try to be courteous. I'm still, you know, who I am. But I don't hold back now. I used to always hold back when I talked to women. Because I wanted to say the right things. But I wasn't being true to myself. Now, if they meet me, they're getting the new me. And they're going to, if they like that, I can be myself in front of them. And what it was, was I had this book. I had read this book about four years ago. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. It's a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. Now, I read this book. I didn't put any of it in practice. Because I was a married man with two kids. And if you're a married man with two kids, it's a lot harder to kind of put those changes into place. So what I realized was I saw it on my book, in my book rack, and I go, oh, I'm going to read that again. And it was quick read. You know, read it in a couple of nights. I look at it and I go, wait a minute, I'm doing that. Wait a minute, I'm doing this too. In therapy, I started changing things that I wasn't happy with. And suddenly now I'm able to be me for real. I'll read your review on the back of this thing. Resilience, happiness, and freedom come from knowing what to care about and most importantly, what not to care about. This is a masterful, philosophical, and practical book that will give readers the wisdom to be able to do just that. The opposite of every other book. Don't try, give up, be wrong, lower your standards, stop believing in yourself, follow the pain. Each point is profoundly true, useful, and more powerful than the usual positivity. Succinct but surprisingly deep. I read it in one night, and now we'll need to read it again. I read it on vacation. It's not a negative book, but you have to look at things differently. My therapist told me, he goes, stop worrying about all this crap. You can worry about important things, but even then, what, what's worrying going to do for you? It's going to raise your blood pressure. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to be unhealthy. So now look, <laughs> I'm a pretty happy guy. I get good sleep. I have low blood pressure now, lower than even normal. 
I feel fantastic. But social media, I'm telling you, get back to this. It's dying, and I think we're going to be better for it. Even Twitter is a piece of crap now. I used to use it as a news aggregator, all these news sites. But now they started putting all this other crap in there based on things you've liked or your friend liked this. We think you'd like it too. I'm like, no, my friend's a douchebag. Why do he like this? So now I have to create lists. list for news, a list for Formula One, for cycling, for camping, for fishing, all the stuff I'm interested in. So each list, I got to go through each list to read these posts. It's a waste of time. Speaking of time, I'm out of it. <laughs> That's what I've got this week. Thank you again for listening. Hope you have a great week. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been Inane in more ways than one. Cheers. Cheers.